You're listening to Book Stories, a podcast about bookstores, books, and book culture. I'm your host, Vic Singh. This is another episode that's a little different from the rest. It's a conversation with Allie Kirkpatrick, owner of Old Town Books in Alexandria, Virginia. Allie contacted me some months ago when she was putting together a plan to launch a bookstore from scratch in her hometown. We kept in touch and I thought it would be cool to let you hear her story. Many listeners have written in with great interest about a common question that gets asked. What advice do you have for people that want to start a bookstore of their own? This episode is a conversation about just that question. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get shows and help us spread the word about this show and the bookstores and books we feature. Thanks for listening. Well, I will just start it off at the beginning. Um, Allie, thanks for being on the podcast. It's great to talk to you and see how this has all kind of taken shape. You recently decided to launch a bookstore in your hometown. Why? So I was working in New York um, at NYU, and I was trying to figure out how to get off this career ladder that I kind of liked being on, but I also kind of wasn't feeling totally satisfied by, and I also wanted something that would complement my writing career, because I also write. Uh, And so I decided to move back home, one, just to be near my mom and dad, because I have a daughter. And I told my mom, I can't live in a town that doesn't have an indie bookstore. And so sort of jokingly, she's told me, well, why don't you open it? And I think she wishes she hadn't said that, because I I took her a little too seriously, and here I am. A year later, I have an indie bookstore in my hometown. So it started, the genesis of this was a year ago, huh? Yeah, I, um, I started, I think of it sort of like... I'm a writer, and I was sort of joking, telling some customers recently that I started the free write of this in, in January. That's when I started did the daydreaming process and sort of just all of the fun, creative stuff. I wasn't actually working on it, but I was sort of toying with the idea of doing it. And then in the summer is when I really started the nuts and bolts, the research, um, going to conferences, meeting people, seeing if the numbers could work for me and like what, what I could afford for rent and all of that. And then um, now the I, I'm considering the phase I'm in now, the edit phase, where I'm doing this pop-up bookstore for six months to kind of see if this proof of concept works for my bank. So I haven't applied for any funding. I've just been bootstrapping this so far. So yeah, it started in January, but it sort of evolved over the last few months. Has there ever been a bookstore in Alexandria? I feel like, I feel like that would be a great spot for a bookstore. There's... Um, I'm across the street from where Olson's was. So Olson's was a local chain bookstore and it closed a while ago. And I used to like hang out in Olson's and like try to look cool in the record section when I was in high school. So it's kind of cool to be across the street now. And people always come in and say they remember that bookstore and they miss having a bookstore. And actually one of the former managers came in yesterday with his daughter and we chatted. And so it's been without a bookstore for many years, but it has had like a history of great shops. Before, they just kind of, they kind of all disappeared. Wow. So what was the first thing that you did to get this whole thing started? You you mentioned a free write, but like, what was the first actionable thing that you took to make this thing reality? Um, I started to think of my trips to other indie bookstores as research. So I've always gone to local bookstores. I've just never gone with this sort of like obsessive eye for how do they display their books? How do they, what point of sale system do they use? How do they merchandise and how many staff do they have? And so when I was still living in Brooklyn, I would go to all these great indie bookstores there. 
and sort of just chat with booksellers and people were beyond generous. And I'd, I'd always try not to talk for a long time and I'd always obviously buy something. But that was sort of my first step was just in-person interviews. And I, my background in New York, I worked some with lean startups and they have this principle where you have to talk to a certain number of people about your business idea. And so that was, so I talked to friends and family and then other business owners before I even worked on a business plan at all. What was that thing you said that was called where you have to talk to a certain number of people? You, you, you defined um, it. It's a lean startup model. So I used to, Oh, a lean. Yeah. Oh, got you. I just misunderstood you. A lean startup. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. There's a book, there's a book I think written by a guy named Eric Rees called the lean startup method. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the same idea. Yeah. So just, yeah. Um, before you even, you just, just to see if your business idea is viable. So that's when I started researching people like your your past guest, Ryan, I forget his last name, Raffaele or... Yeah. Yeah, from Harvard. And, and so I started digging around and doing that kind of research just for myself to see if it was even possible. And that was in the sort of brainstorming phase, just to even see if I wanted to really do it. And I was, I had just left my job at NYU, so I was home with my daughter full time. So basically whenever she was taking a nap, I was working on a Google Doc with my plan for my bookstore. How did you come up with the name? I actually had a funny process. The The first thing I officially did for the store, the first thing I spent money on was working with a designer because having a certain look and feel for the store was really important to me because I think new bookstores that I love, they have a really specific look and I wanted my branding to be right, my, my visual branding to be right. So I hired a designer and she actually helped me with the name. And of course, I thought, I thought of Old Town Books. It was one of the first names I thought of, but I was like, that's too obvious. That's too boring. That's too everything. So I had all these quirky names. I had all these names with puns in them and everything. And I ended up going with Old Town Books because it just, it is what it is. It tells you where I am and it tells you what I am. And it the domain was available. And so I bought it and <laughs> it's it's worked well, you know, it's straightforward and it's where I am. And I feel like it's such a historic area that people get it immediately. There's no kind of question like, oh, what's that? Is it a boutique? Is it a coffee shop? It's no, it's a bookstore. So you're in pop-up phase, you said. How's it going overall? So I paid my rent the first day I was open. I had over 120 transactions uh, the last two days each. And I sold, I basically sold out of books. So I placed my reorder with my wholesaler really quickly and just hoping they come in soon. So it was a really good turnout. Like people were very excited. And part of that is because the, I think the community was ready for the shop, but also uh, I worked with the city for this pop-up program and they have a PR person. So I was on NBC four news in Washington every hour, the first two nights before I opened. So when I opened the shop on Saturday, there was a line of people outside. Oh, wow. So that I was just, that was my next question is like, that's sounds really impressive that you sold out. So like, <laughs> yeah. How did, how did people know to, to show up? Um, I started, I was really, I'm really active on Instagram and I, I did my first post on Instagram on November 2nd. And since then in the last 20 or so days, I've gained 700 followers. So my approach on social media has been to just not be old town books, but just to be myself. And I think people enjoy following along the story of what it takes to open an indie bookstore. And I am pretty frank and open in my social media. Just, I'm a, you know, in my writing, I write nonfiction. I write personal essays and creative nonfiction. So I'm used to telling stories from my own life and people have responded. It's been really cool. And I'm on Instagram in my private messages, like having conversations about books with people all day. And it's really fun. And like, it's cool because 
people come in and I, I knew them from Instagram. I'd be like, oh, you're the crazy book hoarder. Sorry, I don't know your real name, but it's good to see you. And we like, you know, talk about Queen of the Night because we both just read Alexander Chi's novel that recently came out in paperback. And, you know, so we, I have all these connections with people online and they've really shown up for me in person in the shop. And that was sort of my whole strategy is I had no budget for marketing, so I just went to local book clubs in person and introduced myself. I went to Instagram meetups for book bloggers, and yeah, I just kind of did it that way, like the no-budget marketing way. How did you get the local news press? How did that come about? I went to the Alexandria Small Business Development Corporation in this fall in September, and I had a counseling session there, and I told them I wanted to open the bookstore in 2019, and they said well, you should open before the holidays because you'll get so much more traffic. And I was like, yeah, that's not possible. I'm not going to rush into signing a five-year lease. And that's when I learned about their pop-up program. So they sort of matchmake business owners with landlords who have temporary spaces available. So right now I'm in a space for six months. And I kind of expedited the whole bookstore launch by six or nine months. So I, I wasn't planning on being open until fall of 2019. And instead, I was open fall of 2018. Wow. And that's because this pop-up program mm-hmm. became became available to you. Did you did you have any idea that this was a thing like when you were still living in New York? Or did you kind of figure this out accidentally? I, I learned about it at my first counseling session. And they have a PR person who, that's how I got the NBC4 coverage. But yeah, I mean, they just, they're doing a service for landlords here by getting them uh, tenants for short periods of time. And then for me, I'm paying a fraction of what they'd normally charge for the real estate because I'm only going to be there six months. So to them, it's like better than nothing. And then to me, it's I'm in a very high traffic area, so it's basically a big billboard for me. So when I have my permanent shop that's like a block off of the main drag, people will know that I exist. So the building I'm in is actually a 1795 warehouse. It, it, it's the oldest standing building in Old Town. So it's kind of like a prestige property, and I would never have been able to rent here if it hadn't been for that program. So they introduced me to the landlord who, um, yeah, kind of took a risk and just said, you can be here six months. So like they didn't need to see all these crazy financials because I basically just paid them the rent in advance. And Do you have to pay all six months in advance? No, I paid three months up front. Um, okay. It's, it's, that's great because I have, like I said, I haven't applied for my small business loan yet. I just am personally for my, I cashed out my 401k and my personal savings to buy my shelves and my books and (laughs) everything else I got at, like, I got my chairs for my events at a, a liquidation from a wedding rental center and I got my carpet from like Crate and Barrel Outlet and it has a big hole in the middle. So I just put a bookshelf over the hole. So I've kind of been like doing it like a very scrappy way and I think that also like kind of people like seeing that because it's I'm fr- I'm I'm home I'm I grew up here I'm like coming back home and I'm just making it work with uh, limited resources and people are being really supportive when they see that What's gone better than you imagined? Um I think that I didn't think people would be so nice and I didn't think so many people would come out the first two days it was kind of a, it was like an emotional two days it was really nice because I spent I, I moved from New York to Alexandria on October 15th and then I signed my lease on November 1st and then I opened the pop-up two days ago on the 24th so the timeline was sort of like breakneck and I was alone I I have a I have a two-year-old daughter and my husband um moved when we moved down he decided to take a month off between his 
new job so that he could watch the, our, the, our baby. Um, so he's home with her full time. So he's not really helping me in the store. So I was kind of just like isolated for this like really intense six week period working on the shop. And so when the doors opened um, on Small Business Saturday and people came in and were like telling me that they were so happy there was a bookstore here and that they are going to make sure I do well. And I hugged so many strangers. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> so that was that went better than I thought it was going to go. And yeah, I, I, people from that I went to high school with came. I, my high school English teacher showed up and we actually didn't recognize each other. And he was I was like special ordering a book for him. And he's like, wait a minute, I feel like I know you. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're the reason I'm an English major. And <laughs> so I, I just didn't expect, I didn't expect it to be so emotionally charged. Like it was really powerful. It sounds, it sounds so. So you process, you said there were 120 transactions in two days or is that one day? Uh, in one day, yeah. So did you process all of those by yourself or did you have help? I, the first day I did, and that was crazy. It was like, cause this is, so the space is, um, it's only 800 square feet and it's only 500 square feet of selling space. So it kind of felt like a mob all day. Optics wise, that's really good though, I guess. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it was very, it was very buzzy and like everyone was like on social media about it. So that was really helpful. But yeah, I didn't eat, I didn't eat or like go to the bathroom all day. Cause I was just like stuck at the register, like waiting, um, to, to check everyone. There was like a line to people, people, it was crazy. It was really cool. But the next day, a woman who is a librarian assistant at the high school I went to. She volunteered to help me the next day. And so she showed up and worked the register on Sunday and it was equally busy. And then by the end of the day, I was like, do you want to work here? And she was like, yeah. And so, so she's actually here right now. And that's how, that's how I hired my first employee. It was sort of trial by fire, but it worked out. Started off as a volunteer. That's amazing. That's a great story. Have you had any fetal position on the bathroom floor moments yet? Um, yeah, so a couple of days before I was supposed to open, my book still hadn't arrived. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I, you know, I placed my order and my sales rep said they were on the way. And, and then I just kept getting delayed for some reason. And there was a snowstorm uh, in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, where the warehouse is. And seven inches and that delayed it. And then the holiday delayed it. And so I got my books the day before I opened and oh no, two days before I opened and I had to, and then Ingram didn't send me an electronic invoice. So they sent me a hard copy invoice. So I had to manually input thousand titles. And that was uh, a very long night. I was here till 3am the day before we opened. And then I was here till 1am today. And so it's just been a couple of like, it's been kind of brutal, but at the same time, like before I worked at NYU, I worked in um, film production and then I worked in food service. So I kind of feel like mentally prepared to work in retail because I'm used to pushing my limits like physically and mentally. And so it wasn't, and it was cool. It was like, I also was here till 3 a.m. because I was stopping to read the back of every book I was inputting. And so it was kind of my own fault too. You're kind of unique compared to some of the other guests that have been on this podcast because you kind of got to survey the landscape, kind of do some research, approach this with like a fresh 2018 point of view. What are one or two things that you wrote down or as part of your plan that you will do differently than other stores that are out there today? I think just being a pop-up bookstore is sort of like a 2018 thing. There's another pop-up bookstore right now, not too far from me, called Loyalty Books. And 
it's funny. It's another bookseller who was living in New York and then moved back home to open a bookstore. Hannah, she was, she worked at Word in New York. And I think that pop-up model is really useful for a new bookstore because it just takes the risks of opening a retail shop and it cuts them in half because I don't have any debt. I don't have any five-year lease. I don't have any of that. What I have instead is sort of like this little Petri dish to work out how I want my store to be. So that has been really helpful. And that wasn't something I came across in research, really. It was more of like just the attitude of, I guess, how cities are approaching keeping retail alive. Like Alexandria doesn't subsidize anything for me or I'm not, I'm not getting a tax break or anything. I, I wish more cities would do that to keep independent retailers around. But I think that concept of a pop-up has been really useful. And then also just seeing how bookstores have responded with events programming. That's totally inspired my vision for the shop. I already, I have 12 events between the last week of November, between tomorrow, tomorrow's my first event. So I have 12 events between November 27th and the end of the year. So I'm trying to kind of take the lead of follow the example of places that are really turning to events to build community in person. Have you already sold out these events or are, are, they, are these, well, actually, I guess I should say, are these free events? Um, the one tomorrow is free and I already have 40 people RSVP'd. What tool are you using for that? Um, I'm using Eventbrite for the free ticketing. Okay. And then in the, in the bookstore, when I'm hand selling books, the, the book is the ticket. So I sort of do my Vanna White thing where I pick up the book and I show it to people and I pitch them on why they should buy it here. And I tell them, you could technically buy this book anywhere. You could buy it online. But if you buy it at Old Town Books, you get to have cake and pie and meet the author. Because my the event that I'm selling is a cookbook event and two cookbook authors are coming and each are bringing food. And then um, the event's moderated by the Washington Post deputy food editor. So it's sort of like, I'm trying to make it sort of a uh, a scene thing, you know, like, oh, I get to go meet this author. I get to go meet this editor. I get to go meet an author who was just on The Daily Show or something like that. And so my events programming has been definitely been a priority for me. And are you doing that by yourself? So far. And I'm kind of just calling in favors to people that I know or like know people who know. So my event on December 15th is with Nicole Chung, who wrote a memoir called All You Can Ever Know. And Nicole's book has been on a lot of top 10 books of 2018 lists and things like that. And she's done a few events in the D.C. area already. So I have I pitched her publisher that we wouldn't just be another reading and signing, but that I want to host her for a craft talk. So she's going to talk about the craft of memoir and we're going to do writing exercises and then we'll do a, a book signing. So it's sort of like slightly different from what other shops are doing and more craft focused. And again, it comes from my own background as a writer is these are the sort of things that growing up here, I wanted to go to. And I couldn't always drive into DC to go to politics and prose. So I'm offering them here. Multi, multi experiential retail. Yeah. Multi, uh, just very community based, but also to me, a bookstore for writers is kind of how I see it. Alexandria. That's your byline. Yeah, maybe. It's not my official tagline, but Alexandria is sort of known for the visual arts. We have a, I'm I'm right next door to a huge art center called the Torpedo Factory. It's actually a retired torpedo factory from World War II, and it's now art studios. And so they have all this great programming for visual arts, but there's not as vibrant of a literary scene. So my long game for the 
bookstores that I want to bring that side of the creative arts to Old Town. And what are you doing in terms of non-book sales? I'm doing 2080, so 20% non-book, and I'm doing anything that I think is related to a book. So uh, notebooks, pens, and pencils. I have some cool stationery holders that I just got that were locally made. They're like walnut blocks with pen holders and stuff. So sort of like unique stuff like that. And then also some gifty stuff like out of print makes these quirky little socks and everything. And those are popular tag-ons for the holidays. So I saw you had an existential stationery, which was kind of cool. I enjoyed that. Oh, I love that um, stationery line. It's party of one. She, it's a woman in Michigan who makes them and they're like printed in the U.S. and people don't see them everywhere. And that's actually been a challenge in Old Town is there's a lot of really good independent retailers here. Actually, 80% of retail businesses are locally owned. So there's a lot of overlap with stationery and cards and things like that. So, for example, like red cap cards is really popular at, at indie bookstores, but I'm like, well, I can't carry that much red cap because there's like five other accounts on King Street. So I had to kind of find something quirky and different. You mentioned Eventbrite. What other tech are you leveraging to be successful? I'm using, um, I mean, obviously Instagram's the big, the big thing for me. And then my point of sale system is called Book Manager, and it's a company out of Canada that is sort of new to the U.S. market. So when I was doing research for the shop and going to conferences, I heard a lot of people who were sort of talking a lot about issues they had with other point-of-sale systems for books just because there's so much data and they can be difficult to navigate and everything. And so I learned about Book Manager from Books Are Magic in Brooklyn. And Books Are Magic actually let me come and like practice using it and, and showed me how it worked and kind of sold me on it. And so I call Canada like three day, three times a day because um, I, if I have an issue. so And plus they're really nice. So when I call customer support, they're like Canadians. So they're really friendly. And <laughs> I, love, I love Book Manager. The stereotype is true. It never fails. Yeah. <laughs> the Books Are Magic, that's in Brooklyn. That's owned by an author, right? Emma Straub, is that correct? Yeah. And so... Um, I met her, I reached out to her partner, who uh, Michael, who is runs the store. And yeah, he, he talked to me for like a while about, you know, how they started up. And I got to work with their receiver practicing. And they, they were just like extremely generous with their time. And I think part of their mission is to support emerging women writers. I think I just, just from their sort of editorial selection of what they sell on their tables and stuff and the events that they host, um, I feel a real affinity for them in terms of wanting to be a store that supports new writers. And yeah, maybe that maybe that's why they were nice, or maybe they're just really nice and will invite anyone, but <laughs> maybe they're maybe they're Canadian. Maybe they're Canadian. <laughs> yeah. You segued nicely to my next question. So you mentioned that you sold out. Uh, what was the total inventory your first your first order? How many books? Um, I ordered a thousand titles. Okay. Um, I only got, I didn't get all of them in time. Got it. And they showed up on a pallet, actually, and I was like, oh, no. It was, it was a long night that night. What were you thinking they were going to, were you thinking they were going to have unloaded it? Or, like, how does that, how does that work? Well, yeah, usually, um, from my understanding, it, it's, they would warn you if it was going to be something that you needed, like, a hydraulic lift for. And instead, because they kind of rushed it, it just came on, like, a different, carrier or something I don't know what happened but this guy pulled up with a truck and like a pallet of 600 books and I was like oh cool and and he's like I can't deliver this 
unless you have a loading dock. And I was like, no one told me I needed a loading dock. I think it was just a mistake because the next like deliveries didn't come like that. But whatever. I mean, I freaked out for like a second and then the guy just like brought it in anyway, even though I didn't have a loading dock and he was really nice. So <laughs> it was just a surprise, you know, and yeah. so I still haven't, I still haven't gotten some of my books, but I started out with full shelves and then today it kind of looks ridiculous. There's like no books in here, but I don't know exactly what the number was. I think it was, I just know I had 150 transactions on Sunday and 120 no, 150 on Saturday, 120 on Sunday. But I don't know how many books, because a lot of people bought one-on-one book at once. Right, right. Well, I would, yeah, just the math, the math on that would make sense. How did you curate that initial stock? Like, you, you literally started from scratch, as opposed to a lot of people that I've talked to were, actually, you're the first one that I've talked to that's literally built a store in this calendar year mm-hmm. um, with no pre-existing inventory. So what did, how did you curate that? What did you do? Like, just kind of walk us through that process. I started, well, I started using Edelweiss, which is like a online tool for publishers to put their new catalogs. And I had that tab open on my browser. And then I had like LitHub and books that are getting reviewed on, you know, opened on another tab. And then I um, kind of just started tagging books based on my own ideal bookshelf and stuff that I knew I could hand sell and stuff that I knew people were talking about and titles I saw at other bookstores and I didn't want to do too much crowdsourcing of of people just because sometimes I think when that happens people will give you like titles that they like identify with or that they want to look like that aren't current or are I don't know I, I just didn't want to crowdsource it because I wanted to be able to sell it myself so I didn't read every book that was in my store for my opening order but I, I knew about every book and I kind of knew how to talk about every book that I sold what sold the most like, what did you have the most copies of that moved the quickest? I mean, I didn't think I would sell 15 co- copies of Becoming in one day, but I did. Oh, that that came out that came out the same week or same weekend, right? Yeah, Michelle yeah, Obama's. Um, okay. And I wish, I mean, I reordered, you know, like two more cartons, but I'm still that's still a huge learning curve for me is book buying. And actually, that's the first person I hired who starts in the new year is my book buyer. So, uh, what's your first event going to be again? Um, my first event's tomorrow. It's with a journalist who um, writes a DC lit scene newsletter and she does a lot of book moderating in the DC area. Her name's Taylor Burney. She's moderating a conversation between Lisa Jacob and Hannah Bay. There are two contributors to a young adult essay collection called Don't Call Me Crazy. It's about um, mental health and wellness for teenagers. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been a huge turnout. And thankfully, the authors have done a lot of the legwork for promoting the event for me because I told them, I really want to have this event. I'm just really in the weeds with the store. And I, I met Hannah through an, a writer's group and I pitched her on the event. And I think because I met her as a fellow writer, she was more willing to take a risk with an event and commit to the date without ever having any track record of, a, of an event. And then after I booked her event, I got uh, my next one, which was also with like a personal connection. That's with that's a food event with two cookbook authors, Kathy Barrow, who writes a column for the Washington Post in conversation with Brian Noyes, who wrote The Red Truck Bakery, which is Obama's uh, favorite pie shop. And that's moderated by the deputy food editor of The Washington Post. And so the event planning, those are the first two events. It was all a lot of bluffing because I was booking these events before I even had signed a lease for a space. So I just, I knew I needed to start lining up events. I didn't know where I was going to be. And I figured there's this co-working space in Alexandria. So I was like, if I can't find a place for the bookstore, I'll 
host these events at this co-working space. <laughs> and so I kind of like reserved the co-working space as like a backup plan and booked all these events in advance. No, that's really good. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's entrepreneurship 101. You got to be scrappy and you got to do, I, I can remember doing, can remember booking interviews and, and doing like workshops and not having enough space and having to have a backup place lined up. So it's, uh, it keeps, it keeps you motivated to keep going. You can't, idle hands yeah, kind of make yeah. you think too hard about minutia. And so planning stuff and booking stuff and scheduling stuff just gets you out of that minutia rut. Yeah, I think having like being a writer and kind of having like a writer brain where there are so many unknowns with your daily work, there are a lot of directions to go in. Like I'm kind of used, I'm used to that like flexibility of trying, of flexible thinking, I think. Like I'm not, I wasn't really freaked out about how things would shake out. I was like, oh, I'll figure it out. Like, you know, in the next draft. This has been great. I'm going to finish up with a lightning round, ask you just a couple of random questions. What's your favorite bookstore? Uh, my favorite bookstore in Brooklyn is in Brooklyn. It's called Community Bookstore. Actually, I think my favorite one is Terrace Books. It's owned by the same group. And when I was, um, I had my daughter two years ago and I had really bad postpartum depression. And I like don't, I'm totally serious. That bookstore saved my life. I went in there constantly. Like I went in there like in this, the depths of despair in that place, I just kept going back there like there was this gravitational force to bring me back to that cozy little bookstore. It was like the only place I felt safe and happy. The owner actually ended up having breakfast with me one day and, and kind of very early on in my own bookstore process. And she just was super helpful and, you know, answered questions for me along the whole process and everything. And so I feel like that bookstore is by far um, my favorite. Do you recall a title that you got from there that helped you during that period of time? I, I went in there when I was like, I think I was only like a month postpartum and I was really, really struggling. And I saw this beautiful book by Lucy Cousins, the kid's book called Hooray for Birds. And it's this, it was this big illustrated book with these pretty pictures of birds. And I'm a avid birder. It's kind of like my, it's my thing. I just, I'm obsessed with birds. I go birding all the time. I'm a huge bird nerd. And I, had completely lost sense of who, you know, after you have a kid, your whole life kind of, you have, I had an identity crisis. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a parent now. And you know, it's, seeing that book, something ha- like, it just made me so happy. And I, I picked it up and I brought it home and I read it over and over again to my little one month old baby. And uh, that one, it really impacted me. What are you reading right now? Uh, right now, I just, I'm reading um, Little Labors by Rivka I can't remember how to say your last name, Galchen, G-A-L-C-H-E-N, Galchen. But I'm also, I'm also reading the book club pick for the store, which is All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. And she's coming to the shop in a couple weeks too, so. Before you had access to all these catalogs and all this like wholesale data sheets and stuff, how did you decide what to read or how do you, how do you decide what to read? I, I mean, that's kind of, I'm a, a reader completely shaped by indie bookstores. I just would go and see what I discovered. The two other authors I discovered at Community Bookstore were Lydia Peel, who's amazing. Her short story collection, Reasons and Advantages for Breeding, was one of my favorite story collections. And then Julia Lee was a British writer who I found there. And I was kind of, I've never, I've never found a book that I loved from an algorithm. And I am not just saying that because I'm an indie bookseller, but <laughs> it's true. I've always found the books I've loved by walking around a store and, and talking to booksellers. So, What was the first book that you ordered? For the store? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, 
Do you do you know? I think it was. I don't know exactly what it was. It was a lot of like historical stuff and like political books because nope, I know what it was. It was Walden, um, up this new biography about Thoreau that just came out in paperback um, last year because I looked everywhere for it and nobody had it in hardcover. And I think it's, it's like a university press. So it was really hard to find. And I was like, I'm going to have Walden. I mean, I'm going to have um, Thoreau. It's called, not called Walden. It's Thoreau. It's his biography. And it's just like such a good biography of him. And it was super easy to read and like fun to read. And yeah, I just sold a bunch of books about Thoreau. It's like a giant doorstop book, but people, I think when you're actually enthusiastic about something, people believe you. And I'm like, no, this is the this is the Thoreau biography. You gotta read this one. So <laughs> that was the first book I bought. So it was intentional, the first one. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at because I feel like if I was in your shoes and I was starting this, I would I would be very particular about the first ten books that I ordered just from like a like a destiny or almost like a like a kind of like a yellow I'm like paving my own yellow brick yes, road kind of thing. Totally. But that's just me. What was the first book that you sold? I'm not sure what the first. I think it was, it might have been Becoming. Oh, I think it was American Eden. It's a, it was a, I think it won the National Book Award. It's nonfiction about botany and gardening in early U.S. history. And it was to the uh, president of the Small Business Development Corp. And funnily enough, I didn't actually check him out correctly, so he didn't pay. So I have to call him and get him back to pay. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but your 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 point of sale obviously would be able to tell you what transaction number one was, right? Just in like yeah. You, just yeah. And if you, if you needed to like randomly look up like transaction twenty seven, it would be you could easily like find all of that. Yes, absolutely. Okay, because if not, you should get on it. You should get on it with those Canadians. Yes, I'll figure it out. I'll call them. Um, finally, uh, what did you have for breakfast today? Hmm. You know what? My husband has been cooking me tons of food. He's been holding down the fort. And uh, taking care of the baby and making me food. And he made me some pretty sick scrambled eggs on toast with avocado. So I ate well. Shout out to husbands out there. Yeah. (laughs) Allie, thanks. This has been a really fun chat. I wish you well. I hope the store surpasses your wildest expectations. And we'll check in. Let's check in again after the pop-up and see how things have been going. All righty. It sounds good. Thanks, Vic. Take care. You've been listening to Book Stories. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to shows. Book Stories is an alternate Thursdays production. Special thanks to Savannah Wright for production assistance. I'm Vic Singh. Thanks for listening.